Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your monday night raw post show for october 3rd 2022 i am your host shady from new york as always coming to you from the beautiful ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your monday evenings wherever you may be monday night raw man i did not did not fully enjoy this show i thought tonight's show was uh, a big letdown as far as the extreme rules build the go home show it seemingly looks like wwe can't get the final push towards their pay-per-views to really feel right their last show before pay-per-view they really don't know i feel like they've forgotten how to really do a great go-home show. Not to say that this show was bad. I mean, it's not as bad as we would get with Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard. I mean, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't all that exciting. It wasn't all that exciting. I enjoyed Braun Strowman and Chad Gable. I thought that was excellent. I enjoyed Johnny Gargano and Otis. I thought that was really good. I enjoyed the White Rabbit tease which we will go over tonight but outside that I I just don't feel like things are really clicking in certain aspects on Monday Night Raw there's no world champion WWE seemingly is running with the United States championship as the championship they aren't really doing much with that I wonder what they're doing next week with Seth Rollins. Apparently, he's going for the United States Championship against Bobby Lashley. It's quite bizarre that they announced that match next week on the season premiere of Monday Night Raw, knowing that just 48 hours before that match on Monday next week, he will be in a fight pit match with Matt Riddle. Why would Seth Rollins get a United States Championship match against Bobby Lashley on Monday? And why would they spoil seemingly the outcome of the fight pit match on Saturday night? I mean, if Seth Rollins loses, right? What business does he have getting a United States Championship match? I don't really understand that logic. We got Mustafa Ali on the show tonight. Always great to see him, but I don't really understand why we needed to see Mustafa Ali basically do nothing but be fed to Bobby Lashley tonight. Bailey and Damage Control continue to just be complete boredom. I don't know what it is. Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai, they had a very good match tonight. Not to say that the matches were bad. It's just everything else that really happened on the show didn't really pique my interest. And oh my goodness, holy shit. Oh 
my God, man. Round him up! We got a $500 bomb by Broken Saw. Holy shit. I got the best fans in the fucking world, man. I, I'll tell you that right now. I, you guys blow me the fuck away every single time, man. Banger after banger after banger after banger after banger, man. I'm stealing it from Seamus. Broken Saw, he says, hi, JD. This is Pepsi 9072. You can call me Eric or Pepsi Man. Bro, we're going to call you Pepsi Man because I think that sounds fucking great. I heard you wanted more sceneries for OTS. I thought I would ship in. Life has been a bit rough for me the last couple of months, though recently I felt so much better. The layouts have looked incredible thus far, and that shall continue. Thank you. That's incredible, man. That is that is absolutely incredible. Eric, thank you so much, bro. I mean, that's that's just fucking incredible, man. Thank you, Eric. Uh, I don't really know what to say. You guys, uh, you guys are going to be getting uh, even more of the OTS venue uh, soon, man. I I don't know when I could talk to my guys. They said the latest that they could do anything for me is January. I'm going to see if I could speed that up. And we talked about that yesterday on the podcast. We'll uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later as well. I got ideas. I may get the community involved. We'll see. But uh, that that is that is incredible, man. Eric, thank you so much, brother. Five hundred dollar. Super chat donation from Pepsi Man. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Great way to start the month of October, man. And I hope all is well with you. I, I could be doing a little bit better myself. I got some situations going on right now that aren't really uh, sitting too well with me. Uh, I know, you know, I spoke about it a little bit, but I hope everybody's doing good on this Monday night. We're going to have a good time tonight. I'm going to try and entertain you guys the best that I can, okay? So, Monday Night Raw tonight, you know, I, I didn't really think it was a bad show wrestling-wise. I just feel like everything that they've kind of done leading up to this was kind of lame. It was, uh, wasn't exciting. And I feel like, you know, usually WWE hits a wall. There, there's not really much that I could add on top of my excitement already for Extreme Rules. I just want it to be here. I'm genuinely excited for Extreme Rules. I'm excited for the Balor. And Edge match, I'm excited for the ladder match. I mean, who doesn't like a good ladder match? Hopefully they deliver. They need to deliver. Those ladies do. We got Cross and McIntyre. We got the White Rabbit shit that hopefully will be unveiled on Saturday. We got a lot of shit. The Fight Pit match, Ronda Rousey versus Liv Morgan. There's a lot of stuff to really sink your teeth into on Saturday night. And I have no doubt in my mind that WWE is going to deliver. It's just that there really isn't much more that they can do to add on top of the excitement for Extreme Rules because they've basically tapped out all their resources, and this is the show that we're pretty much left with. But needless to say, we're going to go over everything tonight. We're going to go over it, break it down. We're going to talk about the certain things that happened. We're going to decode this Bray Wyatt situation, more clues in the QR code. I got it all queued up here. So I want to thank you guys for joining me on this Monday night, man. Chilly Monday night. I'm back in my AEW hoodie. Oh, but JD, you're, you're doing a WWE review, man. I thought you were a Triple H show. 
That doesn't mean I can't wear the hoodie, man. I look good in the hoodie. If I look good in the hoodie, right? If I look good in the hoodie, I'm going to wear the fucking hoodie, okay? Don't get me started. Anyway. Thank you guys for joining me, man. Please, if you enjoy what you see here, if you enjoy what you hear tonight, hit that subscribe button. Turn on that bell for notifications. I'm going to need a thousand likes minimum. I'm going to need a thousand likes because Broken Saw, a.k.a. Eric, a.k.a. the Pepsi Man, already started us off hot with a $500 bomb. I need a thousand likes minimum on tonight's Monday Night Raw post show right here on OTS. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and the Cameo. You guys need cameos, man. You guys need Halloween cameos. You guys need uh, Thanksgiving cameos, Christmas cameos. We got all these holidays coming up, man. I got you covered. All social media is linked down below in the description. Go check out last night's podcast, man. We were almost live for three hours. Talked about several topics, including the big one. Is the magic fading away in AEW? What does Tony Khan need to do to rekindle that magic? Wednesday's going to be a big show, man. They got 15 minutes of an overrun. It's going to be the longest dynamite in history. Will that matter? I don't know. But we'll talk about it on Wednesday because Jesse and I will be live on Wednesday. It's good to have the bro back on Wednesday. I know he was live this afternoon with his uh, dark, his dark post show or his dark uh, live stream, I should say. So he's back to doing his thing over there, man. And he will be joining us on Wednesday. It should be the biggest return of the year. Get those super chats in. Be like Pepsi, man, bro. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. You guys want the emotes? You got the emotes. Now you got to become a VIP. Become a VIP, man. Get those emotes. There's so much fun to be had with those emotes. You see everybody in the chat already taking advantage of it. Become a VIP. Sit right back there. VIP with me. And become a channel member, man. Great way to help the channel out. And tonight's show sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout for your free sample. Everybody loves some Blue Chew, man. Don't be a Bruce. Get some Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout for your free sample. Scorpion, I'm going to have to ask you to get the fuck out, bro. I, I mean, listen, man, I love you. I know you've been in here, bro, but you, you can't be using defamatory fucking super chats like that, bro. I'm going to have to ask you to kindly leave, okay? Uh, otherwise, I'm going to get Hulagrim to bench you. Now we got the emoji to go along with the benching, okay? Do not ever mention the St. Louis Cardinals in my chat, ever. Fuck the Cardinals. Fuck the St. Louis Cardinals, bro. That's what I have to say. I hate them. I may hate them more than the fucking Mets. Be quite honest with you. I don't want to play them. You think I want to play St. Louis? I don't want to play. I'd rather play the Dodgers, to be quite honest with you. I don't want to play St. Louis. Get them out. Get them out.
Anyway, that's your one and only warning, Scorpion. Let you know right now. Monday Night Raw. Now, we didn't have to delete his chat. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, Tula Grove. Oh, my goodness. Scorpion, don't worry about it, bro. You're not benched. You're, you're a member here, bro. You're a VIP. Why would I bench you? Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Let's get uh, started with the Monday Night Raw post. We are going to start at the top, and we get Judgment Day. Judgment Day is at the top of the show, man. Triple H loves opening up the show with Judgment Day. I have no problem. I have no problem, man. When I hear Miles Kennedy and Alter Bridge at the start of Monday Night Raw, good to go for me. They got a new album coming out on October 14th, by the way, and their new single drops at midnight. This is war. Can't wait. First thing I'll be doing when I finish this stream is listening to the new single. Judgment Day rolled out. And Finn Balor is walking alongside Damian Priest. And we got Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley. Loving what Judgment Day's been doing. Finn Balor's in the ring. He talked about how 11 years ago, Edge was medically forced to quit. But against all the odds, he fought back with strength and determination and overcame to return doing what he loves the most, which is performing in this ring for all of you. Priest then says sarcastically, let's hear it for Edge. Yeah. Bala said that, as with most things in life, you can only outrun fate before catching or before it starts to catch up to you. He said he'll show Edge that he doesn't belong anywhere near a ring. And Ripley laughed and told Balor, yeah, tell him. You go and tell him, Finn. Balor said he'll do Edge a favor and beat him so badly that he'll be down and out and he'll force him to say the words, I quit. Priest says he is so excited to witness Balor give Edge a beating so severe that he has to say the words, I quit. Priest said that they, or this rather, should serve as a notice. They will serve notice to anyone who crosses paths with the Judgment Day. He said that goes for their opponents tonight too in Rey Mysterio. And AJ Styles. So Dominic has a microphone. He was about to speak. Rhea Ripley whispered something in his ear. Get your mind out of the gutter, geeks. Nobody knows what Rhea Ripley is whispering in Dominic's ear. Poppy, where we going later? What do you want to do back at the hotel, Poppy? I'll buy you a nice cold beverage. And we'll talk about what we're doing at Extreme Rules. We'll go over the plans, right? We'll play a game of Fortnite, maybe. Get your mind straight. I don't know. I don't know. Ripley whispered something to him. Finch chanted, who's your daddy? At Dominic. He smiled. He says, I'll tell you who my daddy is. It's not Ray. Ray ain't my daddy. I hate him. He goes on to say he hates his father. He hates his father so much because he lied to him his entire life. And he now has a new family. Byron Saxton says, this is repulsive. Now, this is not repulsive. A Bruce Prichard, Vince McMahon, Monday Night Raw is repulsive. This is not repulsive. Nowhere close. Balor says he could have ended Styles' career last night. And then he corrected himself and said last week. He's so angry. I said last night. Last week. I thought it was legitimately last night. I thought they were talking about something that happened at a house show. But apparently it was a promo botch by Balor. He said last week... 
but didn't because he is his friend. He said the olive branch is still extended. He says he's not a bad guy, so don't make him do bad things. So we got Judgment Day in the ring already, and we get Rey Mysterio and AJ Styles coming out for this tag team match. This was fine. This was fine for what it was. Typical Triple H Monday Night Raw. We start off with a big match. These guys almost went, uh, I believe it went almost, what, 16 minutes, 17 minutes this match went. It was pretty long. So... There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Match started during the commercial break. We went to commercial break pretty quickly, and they worked over Styles. He was getting some heel heat on him, and he couldn't make the tag because Rhea Ripley yanked Ray off the apron. Styles fought back, hit Balor and Priest with a double DDT, which got the crowd to wake up in Minneapolis. Ray recovered, confronted Rhea, but then Dominic got between them again. He gets on his knees, and he drops to the floor, and he begs his father to hit him. Please hit me. Hit me, hit me, hit me. So Ripley is out there behind Ray. He doesn't see Ripley. He turns around after pointing his finger at his his son, and all of a sudden, Rhea Ripley takes Rey Mysterio out with a clothesline. So she dumped him in the ring. Balor was in control against Styles. Balor takes out the baby faces here. He goes up for the coup de gras, and Styles had no one to tag because Rey Mysterio was fucking taken out. So Styles ended up eating the pinfall here. Drop kick, coup de gras, one, two, three, and that was it. Judgment Day gets the victory. They cheated. Judgment Day gets the victory via nefarious means. After the match, Ray got in the ring, and he was uh, very sympathetic towards AJ Styles. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Styles was upset that Ray had dropped to ringside to deal with Dominic and Ripley instead of being there for the hot tag. Styles had nobody to tag. So this obviously led to the loss. Ray apologized, but Styles told him it is his fault that they lost. He shoved Ray. Ray rolled out of the ring frustrated. Judgment Day then attacked Styles four on one. Balor started punching away at Styles while talking trash to him, basically saying he is his only friend. He has nobody else. And they beat him down four on one. Formulaic tag team match. The story was the ending. 
Now everybody's question is, is Styles going to turn heel? They gave you the little tease of him being frustrated with Rey Mysterio, him shoving Rey Mysterio down. But Styles knows. At the end of all of this, I really don't see Styles turning heel and joining Judgment Day. The only reason I would see Styles join Judgment Day is Triple H would love to have two members of the Bullet Club in Judgment Day to give them a little bit more of a solid feel as a faction. But right now, they're doing very well as a faction. I would not even look to AJ Styles as a new member. I would not. Of all the people on that roster, why would anybody choose AJ Styles to be a heel? Nobody wants to, nobody wants to boo AJ Styles. AJ Styles factors in to being a father himself. AJ Styles factors into the whole Rey Mysterio storyline. He is sympathetic towards Rey. He knows at the end of all this, he's going to know what Rey is going through. Why would he be upset with Rey for caring about his son while his son is being manipulated by these fucking devious heels and Rhea Ripley? He should know that at the end of the day. He's not going to be upset with Rey Mysterio. He was upset in the moment because they lost the match. But he's not going to be upset moving forward. And this is going to lead AJ to fight alongside Ray at Survivor Series. And I do think that they end up on the same team together. That's just me. That's just me. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I find it very difficult to believe that AJ Styles is going to turn heel and all of a sudden join Judgment Day. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm sticking with my guns here. I think we're going AJ, Ray, and Edge alongside Matt Riddle for Survivor Series against Judgment Day and Seth Rollins. I think that's where we're going with this. To me, that's the perfect, ideal situation. Now, I could be wrong because they threw a a monkey wrench into that line of thinking potentially because Seth Rollins is clearly still feuding with Bobby Lashley for whatever reason over the United States Championship. So I don't know what they have planned with that, but AJ, as far as I'm concerned, is not going anywhere. He's not turning heel I do think he ends up siding with Edge and Rey Mysterio to battle Judgment Day at Survivor Series. And like I said before, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. Everybody's like, oh yeah, AJ Styles needs to go heel. He needs to do something different. There needs to be a change with AJ Styles. No, there doesn't. The only change that needs to be for AJ Styles is a little bit better booking and a little bit more TV time. We haven't really seen a lot of AJ Styles on TV since Triple H has taken over Monday Night Raw. I don't think AJ needs Judgment Day. AJ is fine on his own. You're going to put somebody in Judgment Day that can absolutely use the rub of what Rhea Ripley has done with herself and done for Judgment Day. You're going to put somebody in Judgment Day that's going to get the rub off of Finn Balor, who apparently, via WrestleVotes, I talked about this on yesterday's podcast, Triple H sees big things for Finn Balor, and there are major plans for Finn Balor moving on into the rest of this year, into early next year. You're going to put somebody in Judgment Day that's going to benefit from Judgment Day, somebody that really could use it, somebody that hasn't been on TV, somebody that needs a repackaging, somebody that needs to just break out of that shell and become one of the soldiers alongside the rest of them. And that man is Dominic Dijakovic. I don't know when we see him. I don't know what they got planned for him. He would fit like a glove in Judgment Day. He is very similar in size and promo to Damian Priest. And he would fit perfect to give them 
a solid four-man group on top of Rhea Ripley being the dominant female. I look at her as the leader of Judgment Day. I'm sure a lot of people do as well. But that would give them a solid four with Dominic, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Dominic Dijakovic. And with Rhea Ripley playing that enforcer slash China role in Judgment Day. That's just me. I don't know. I do not see AJ Styles turning heel, though. Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn continues to be the best thing on WWE television. Sami Zayn and the back and forth with Jay Uso is the best storyline on all of WWE television. It is the best storyline in all of pro wrestling right now. That's Raw, SmackDown, and AEW Dynamite. Sammy was cracking up Jimmy Uso backstage with how he was dancing when his couch was on fire. And then someone asked, where's my dog? And Sammy said, your dog is right here, pointing to himself. Solo Sokoa was standing there. He was trying so hard to not smile and laugh. Sammy just cracked up everybody backstage. Jay Uso wasn't there. He cracked up Jimmy. He cracked up Solo. Sami Zayn is incredible, man. The honorary Uso. So Jay walked in. He stared down Sammy and Jimmy. Jimmy got quiet. Jay said, what's so funny? Why is everybody laughing? And then Sammy wanted to tell him the joke. He wanted to let him laugh as well, along with the rest of the group. And Sammy said, no, you know what? It's about business tonight. Jay said, yeah, it is about business tonight. We need to be on Raw to let everybody know that the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns, is going to be here next week for the season premiere of Monday Night Raw. Sammy says he's right. So we led them down the hall after this segment, and they ran into the Street Profits. Sammy said the bloodline will be in the house next week, so be prepared to acknowledge him. Montez Ford says they're walking around like they own the arena, but they don't. He said they have two things right now that they need to acknowledge. Jay said if he's disrespectful towards the tribal chief, he'll be sure to give him two matching boots. He was wearing a boot on his right foot. I don't know if that is legit. If Montez Ford is really injured, we haven't heard anything come out as far as news on that. But it looks like that Montez Ford is out of action right now with an injury, foot injury. So the camera showed Ford walking around on his medical boot. Angelo Dawkins says, listen, you got some bass to your voice there, man. That tone isn't really sitting well with me. So why don't I break my foot in your ass? Solo stepped up to Dawkins and challenged him instead. Dawkins says, fine, I'll see you out there. And we got Dawkins versus Solo Sokoa tonight on Monday Night Raw. I don't know where we're going with this uh, as far as the Street Profits being interjected in this, but I did say, I did say we may end up getting something along the lines of a Ricochet, a Madcap Moss, Street Profits, and maybe a Drew McIntyre in war games against the Bloodline. Now, that may seem like a lacking team to you, but... The Street Profits have history with the Usos. Madcap and Ricochet have been battling the bloodline as of late. And Drew McIntyre clearly wants revenge for what happened at Clash of the Castle because of Solo Sokoa. So the storyline is there. And that may end up being the five baby faces that we get going up against the bloodline inside War Games. Again, I could be wrong. 
which is based on what we see right now on television, it's looking like that is what it's going to end up being. So we'll see. Bobby Lashley, he went one-on-one with Mustafa Ali. This match came about tonight with Bobby Lashley being interviewed by Kevin Patrick in the back. And apparently, he asked him about his United States Championship title run so far. So, he said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be a fighting champion. Anybody wants to step up and challenge me for the championship, I will welcome all comers. In walks Mustafa Ali, basically pointing at him. And Bobby Lashley said, all right, all right, you want your match now? You want to bitch and moan and complain to me? I'll give you your match right away. Bobby Lashley first said, well, get to the back of the line, and when you start winning some matches and you start gaining some momentum for yourself, I'll be happy to give you a United States Championship match. Ali didn't want to hear any of that. He wanted to skip all that bullshit, and he started putting his fingers on Lashley, agitating Ashley, um, Lashley, and then getting the match tonight. So that's what we got. We got Bobby Lashley versus Mustafa Ali in a United States Championship match, which I didn't really understand why we were booking this match in this manner. It was very Vince McMahon-esque, to be quite honest with you. Matches being made out of thin air. We haven't seen Ali on television in months. And here we have Ali getting a championship match because he started poking Bobby Lashley. Very Bruce Prichard-esque, okay? Now, I said on Twitter before this match got started, this doesn't really bode well for Mustafa Ali. He's great at what he does. Don't get me wrong. I'd like to see him in a little bit more of a priority role for an, for an intercontinental title, for a U.S. title, and, and whatever case may be for Ali. But putting him in a match where he's got no heat whatsoever for himself against Bobby Lashley, who's done a fantastic job as the United States champion, who is mega over with the crowd. You're going to put Mustafa Ali out there against somebody who is as over as Bobby Lashley, and he's got no heat going for him. I don't know. I don't understand that. So why would you do that? This is Bobby Lashley one-sided over Mustafa Ali. Not a good look. Not a good look at all. So we get to the match, and the match was fine. The match is what you would expect out of a Mustafa Ali match against somebody the size of Bobby Lashley. So we get this match, and it's basically Mustafa Ali showing how great of a baby face he is. Yes, we know how good of a baby face, uh, a come-from-behind baby face, Mustafa Ali is. He was in control, was Lashley. Ali hit a 450 splash off the top rope. Lashley was trying to get to his feet, grab the rope. Ali did a 450 splash on his arm. I legitimately, I don't know what the fuck happened here. I seen the referee go to his little uh, his little microphone on his belt. I thought they were, I, I legitimately thought they were going to throw up the X in this match. He came down hard on Bobby Lashley. I legitimately thought he tore a fucking muscle or broke his arm or something. Lashley, he sold that shit like it legitimately broke his arm. I thought that looked great. When he got up and started moving the arm around, I'm like, all right, he's all right. So he came right back with the choke slam and was surprised Ali kicked out of the choke slam. Lashley followed with a dominator. 
Again, Ali kicked out. Lashley advised Ali to stay down. Ali started slapping Lashley. Lashley then threw him out of the ring and drove him into the ring post, not once, but twice. Lashley also tossed him over the timekeeper's area. He hit hard over the barricade near the timekeeper's area. Referee was up to an eight. He was up to a nine. Ali barely made it back in the ring by like nine and nine-tenths. He made it back in, and Lashley could not believe it. So basically, Lashley wanted to give him every reason just to stay down. Listen, I own you. I got this. You ain't winning. You ain't beating me. And everything that Lashley did to Ali, he just keep kicking out, kicking out, kicking out, kicking out. He just kept kicking out of everything. So it was after making it back in the ring at 10, barely, Lashley followed with a spear. Ali sold the absolute shit out of it, which was great. And then he applied the hurt lock. Ali did not tap. Ali passed out. So he had the hurt lock on, and Ali said, no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden, he just passes out, and Lashley wins. Lashley was going to help Ali back to his feet, but all of a sudden, Seth Rollins ran in from behind and attacked him. Rollins laid out Lashley with two curb stomps. Last one was driving Lashley's face into the United States Championship title. Rollins also stomped at Ali on the outside, and this gave way to Seth Rollins' promo against Matt Riddle and them having a face-to-face. But before we get into Rollins and Riddle and the face-to-face, let's talk about this match here with Ali and Lashley. It was a good match. Don't get me wrong. Ali is an incredible performer. We know what the man is capable of. We know how good of a of a come from behind, make you fucking believe he could beat anybody type of babyface Mustafa Ali is. Why was the match made? This was basically made just to give Ali TV time because he was on social media last week saying that he is going to show everybody how good he is. One fan asked him, why hasn't WWE gone all in on Mustafa Ali seeing how good he is? And then Ali basically said, yeah, I'm going to show them exactly what all-in really means. They're going to be forced to go all-in on me, knowing how good I am. So basically, they had him go on social media, though they saw him go on social media, complain to fans, answer fan questions, and then put him on TV in a match that he was never going to win. There was no chance in hell for Ali to beat Bobby Lashley. Now, for some of the geeks online that I saw, Notable ones with check marks, they started saying, Oh, this was a great win. This showed how great Mustafa Ali is from a come from behind baby face perspective. I thought that made him look great. Yeah, but he's also a loser. He was also put in a situation that A, he should have never been in, and B, a position he was never going to win in. So, what's the follow up here? You want to tout about Ali being a great babyface, and people want to say, oh, yeah, Ali got over. He, he stood the test against Bobby Lashley, kept kicking out of everything Bobby Lashley did. But what happened at the end? He's a loser. Where is the follow-up for this, for Ali? Nobody knows. Nobody has a solid answer. Nobody has a right answer where the follow-up is for Ali. This guy... He got curb stomped by Seth Rollins after losing to Bobby Lashley. Get out. 
I don't understand why that looks good to everybody online, but I'm looking at a different thing. Ali is just there to get another solid victory for Bobby Lashley, and he was basically used as a stepping stone to get Lashley into another program with Seth Rollins. It's basically what it was. So I don't understand why everybody's like, oh yeah, Ali looked good. Yeah, he looked good, but he's a fucking loser at the end of the whole fucking night. Nothing good comes of this for Ali. Nothing. This was basically Bobby Lashley hungry, and they feed him Mustafa Ali. That's all this was. I'm not expecting Ali to get a major push. I'm not expecting Ali to get the United States Championship match. I'm not expecting Ali on television on a regular basis. This was a complete one-off. Until I start seeing Ali regularly in some storyline progression, I'm not going to care about Mustafa Ali. The fans didn't even give a shit about Mustafa Ali until the ending of the fucking match when he started kicking out of a Dominator and a Spear and all this other shit. Making it back in the ring by a 9 and 9 tenths. Nobody gave a shit because how could you give a shit when someone is on TV and then off TV for two months and then back on TV and off for, off for another two months? Not good. Not good. If you want him on TV, present him on TV. If you do not want him on TV and have no plans for him on TV, then get rid of him. Find something else to do with him. Give him his walking papers. How many times do we need to sit here and talk about how good Ali is and then watch him fucking not wrestle for two months? Not a good look. Not a good look. So this leads to Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle face-to-face for their fight pit match. Rollins stomped Bobby Lashley. Apparently, he's still targeting the United States Championship. Why? Why is Seth Rollins targeting Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship? He just got interviewed, or he, he was interviewed during Clash of the Castle weekend. Ariel Hawani dropped part two of it this past weekend, talking about how he'll never be the man in a Roman Reigns-led WWE. Whose fault is that? Is that Seth Rollins' fault? That's not Seth Rollins' fault. That's just Seth Rollins in the WWE, where he wants to be, where he's had a great career, a Hall of Fame career, but he's not going to be a Roman Reigns. If Seth wants to be Roman Reigns, Seth may have to call up Jacksonville and see what Tony Khan is willing to offer him when his WWE contract comes to an end. That's the only way he'll end up being a Roman Reigns. You are not going to be a part of history in WWE with Roman Reigns at the top of the card. You're not in the Samoan dynasty. You're not a part of the NOI family. I don't know why he continued to harp on that. Oh, I can't be the guy with Roman Reigns here in a Roman Reigns era. Sounds like bitterness and it sounds like jealousy, if you ask me. But that doesn't mean Seth Rollins can't be as great, right? Everybody's like, oh my God, look at what he said. He's not going to be a number one because of Roman Reigns and blah, 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 blah. It's great. At what point is it ever bad to be a number two? That's what I want to know. At what point is it ever bad to be a number two? It's almost as if he wants to be the bell of the ball. He wants to be fucking Cinderella, right? Listen, bro, not everybody has the luck to be a Cinderella. People were mentioning yesterday in my chat, it's okay to be an edge. It's okay to be 
a Mr. Perfect. It's okay to be a macho man Randy Savage, right? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm always going to be the savage to his Hogan. So what? So what? Like being macho man or being compared to macho man Randy Savage is a bad fucking thing, right? So why is he feuding with the United States champion? That's what I want to know. Sounds like to me that they're giving him a United States championship match and possibly a United States championship victory because he complained that he's not the guy. So right, right, you're going to be made into the guy, but you're going to be made into a solid number two, right? Roman's leading his show, and you're going to be leading with the United States championship, which is not the WWE championship and not the Universal championship. So which do you want? Do you want to continue being Seth Rollins knowing how great you are right now? Or do you want some fucking secondary title for the sake of saying, hey, I'm the guy now. I'm holding the number one title right now. That's not the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship. I would rather not even hold the United States Championship because you holding that fucking championship, you holding the United States Championship is going to be a beacon of mediocrity. It's going to be a beacon of, hey, I'm the guy, but I ain't the guy. I'm number two. There's nothing wrong with being number two, but you want to be number one so bad, and people are now going to reference this promo or this, this interview with Ariel Hawani. Not really a good look there, bro. Not really a good look. Also, additionally, I don't know why they booked this match and announced this match for the season premiere of Monday Night Raw coming out of a fight pit match with Matt Riddle. Now, if Rollins doesn't win the fight pit, I don't know why he's getting a United States Championship match. In my honest opinion, if Matt Riddle wins that match, it should be Matt Riddle versus Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. If Rollins loses the fight pit match, which I don't know what they're doing, Matt Riddle lost at Class of the Castle. Clean. Clean. There's no fuckery. There was nothing going on there. Rollins won clean at Clash of the Castle. So in this match, which is a Matt Riddle special, you would think that this would blow off the feud and Riddle would get the victory. But if Matt Riddle beats Rollins, what the fuck is he doing in a United States Championship match against Bobby Lashley? Now, this, this is a Triple H era of WWE. Things like this need to make sense. Right now, the way I see it, it's very Vince McMahon-esque. I'm just throwing that out there. So you guys need to let me know what the fuck you guys think is going on here because right now, the way I see it, I don't really make much sense of it. We'll wait and see what happens on Saturday. Maybe Riddle wins. Maybe Rollins wins. I have no idea. If Rollins wins, all right. But if he loses, the fuck is he getting a United States Championship match for? Losers should not be rewarded with championship matches. Unless Bobby Lashley comes out and says, Fuck this, you lost. I'm going to give you a match anyway because of what you did to me and you curb stomped me on my title. But on the outside looking in, it doesn't make any sense. So we got this face-to-face with Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle. This was probably the best thing on the entire show. Seth said, now that we cleared the ring of Bobby Trashley, how much of my content has Seth been watching? what I want to know. How many people remember me calling Bobby Lashley Trashley? I wonder. 
And we love Seth here, man. We've grown to really love Seth. We've actually stuck up for Seth throughout this entire year, man. Asking when is Seth Rollins going to get his flowers? He's the most selfless wrestler in the industry. Look at what he's done for Cody. Look at what he's done for Roman. Look at what he's done for Riddle, right? He seemingly can't get a break. And no matter what, he wants to talk about he'll never be the guy in a Roman-led WWE. When Roman is not leading WWE, who do you think is going to be the guy on WWE television? It's going to be Cody Rhodes. It seemingly looks like Rollins is destined to be number two. It's okay. It's okay. Every good baby face needs a great villain. That's what he'll be known for. So, trashly, we can now move on with this evening's festivities. He welcomed everybody to Monday Night Rollins. We saw this great video package of the fight pit. They showed the artist renderings of the fight pit and clips of NXT fight pit matches with Riddle versus Timothy Thatcher. Back in the ring, Seth says he will show Riddle what he showed Cody Rhodes and Bobby Lashley, which is that he is the most dangerous man in the history of the business. He said that Saturday they will be in Philadelphia, but tonight they're in St. Paul. He called Riddle to the ring for this face-to-face. Seth noted Riddle came out without his scooter. He said that's the face he's going to smash on Saturday. Seth called himself the king of the fight pit. Riddle asked, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? He said, Seth has never been in a fight pit match, so how could you call yourself the king of the fight pit? I have been in a fight pit match. Seth reminded Matt Riddle that they have a no contact clause tonight or else the match is off. So if you put your hands on me, the match is canceled. Riddle says he's there to give him an educational lesson on the fight pit. He said he's going to kill Seth Rollins on Saturday. Now, I found that to be quite shocking. This is another one of those things that goes along with the whole change in the way WWE thinks about these things. Now, this is a Triple H-led WWE. If this was Vince McMahon, the word kill would not have been in the vocabulary of Matt Riddle tonight. Kill, I believe, somebody can correct me on this, kill was one of the words banned and outlawed by Vince McMahon. But here we are having Matt Riddle say he's going to kill Seth Rollins on Saturday night. He's not going to kill him, so I don't know why that was said, but here we are. Riddle said after he beats Seth's lifeless body, they'll be singing bro to the beat and rhythm of Seth Rollins' theme song. Riddle danced and he expected fans to sing along. They did not which was kind of lame. Minneapolis was lame tonight. Seth told them to stop. So then it started to kind of get going and they started to hum bro along to Seth Rollins' theme. Seth said Daniel Cormier is going to have his back because he is a fan of his. Seth said Riddle has quite a nice singing voice. He asked if he sings his kids to sleep at night with that voice. He said, oh, that's right. You're not allowed to see your kids at night, are you? Seth laughed at how expensive child support is. Riddle then told Seth to back away because his breath was awful. Riddle asked, when was the last time he held a championship belt? 
He said Roman Reigns choked him out the last time they wrestled each other. He asked how it went the last time he had, that he headlined WrestleMania. Then he said, oh, yeah, that's right. You never headlined the WrestleMania. Your wife, though, Becky Lynch has. Riddle said he's second to Roman, second to Becky, and he'll be second to him on Saturday night. I thought this was, I thought this was great. The crowd sucked, but I thought this was great. All of a sudden, this is what I did not like about the segment. All of a sudden, Daniel Cormier appeared on the Titantron and told them to stop arguing. So these two guys stopped bickering because of a fucking huge television screen with Daniel Cormier on the TV, said, stop bickering, save it for Saturday night. He said their behavior has been insane. He introduced himself as one of the greatest wrestling fighters ever. He says he goes way back with Riddle, and he's part of the fraternity because he wrestled in MMA. He says he was there when Seth won his first title, but he's fed up. Cormier said the referee can't just be anyone, so they called me. Seth knocked off Riddle's hat and left. Graves says that didn't violate the no contact clause because he actually did not touch Matt Riddle. First of all, Daniel Cormier came off like he was breaking some sort of fucking news. Meanwhile, this news is already two days old. Number one, sounded ridiculous. Number two, you got these guys throwing verbal insults back at each other, back and forth at each other, and they stop bickering because Daniel Cormier on a fucking TV screen told them, to stop bickering and stop arguing. How fucking lame is that? They couldn't fly Daniel Cormier in to Minneapolis to be in that arena, to walk down that aisle and point the finger at Seth and point the finger at at, uh, Matt Riddle and lay down the law and set the fact that he's the authority in this match. You thought this segment went off great. It did until Daniel Cormier showed up on the fucking TV screen to kind of ruin all the momentum and all the intensity that the segment was really bringing to the table. Daniel Cormier being on the Titantron did nothing but dumb down this segment and make it look fucking ridiculous. These guys are bickering back and forth, but all of a sudden stop because somebody on a TV screen said so. Fucking lame. Either you get him in the arena, get him in there in front of Rollins and Riddle, or don't get him at all. We didn't need him to say what he said tonight because it had no impact whatsoever. These are the little things that I don't like. It came off amateur. It came off Bush League. It came off lame. You want to build ultra intensity for this shit. You got these guys throwing verbal spats back and forth. One mentioning the other's wife. The other mentioning the other's kids. And then you want to put a halt to it because Big Bad Daniel Cormier said so via Titantron at his home. Give me a fucking break. Talk about a fucking buzzkill. Buzz Killington from Family Guy, right? Daniel Cormier was basically Buzz Killington. Oh, my God. And Cormier is great. Cormier can speak. Cormier, he did what he had to do. But Jesus fucking Christ, the, the impact of the segment, it did not hit what it needed to do. That's just me. Candace LeRae, she walked past Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, or not Liv Morgan, Alexa Bliss and Asuka. Belair gave for a pep talk. 
QR codes all of a sudden started flashing on the screen. And in the QR code, we also saw this vivid flash. Alexa was on the screen, which was done by coincidence. This was not, uh, this was uh, done intentionally, I should say. This was not a fucking coincidence. Alexa Bliss was on the screen. We seen the QR code pop up, and we saw what I believe was these, these flashes of possible Bray Wyatt fiend imagery. So we will see if Bray is actually coming to, I guess, do something when he finally reveals himself, if Alexa Bliss will be a part of all of this for this white rabbit tease. We don't know. We don't know at all. So we got the white rabbit, and I had my thing pulled up. I don't know what happened. The white rabbit revealed tonight was, it was interesting. I will say it was interesting. They dropped several different clues tonight, and I quite enjoyed it. So leading up to this, you guys know what had happened. We talked about this on Sunday night. During the podcast, we basically gave you everything that led up to tonight. So tonight, the QR code briefly appeared on the screen during this segment. And when scanned, the code takes you to a painting of Samson and Delilah. There is a number on the image that, when Googled, takes you to a product, which is white rabbit milk. So you see this picture, it's got half of a picture, half of it you see on mobile, and then the other half you see on desktop, I believe is what they said. So you click the image, one half of the image goes away, and you see this code. You go Google this code, it takes you to white rabbit milk in Japanese lettering. Apparently it's a Japanese item, okay? So after that, people started to figure out one by one what was going on. And we saw another set of clues. And apparently, there was this blurred image. It was blue. And it's one of those images that you see on social media where some geeks online say, see if you could decipher the code inside all this fucking, all this this messiness, right? It's a blue screen with like a hidden message in the blue screen. In the initial message that we saw tonight, it's a magic eye puzzle. And it reads MTA4MJL. Now, I don't know what that means, but I'm sure somebody will decipher that. So, with the Samson and Delilah thing that we saw, many fans pointed out that the QR code that showed Samson and Delilah, this actually has to do with Alexa Bliss. Bray Wyatt tweeted out, Uh, something very similar after his WrestleMania loss to Randy Orton because of Alexa Bliss. And he tweeted out a picture of Samson and Delilah. And I'm assuming that is going to be where Alexa Bliss comes into play as far as her involvement in this whole White Rabbit situation. But coming out of last week's show where we saw the wolf in grandma's clothing and the big bad wolf and the three little pigs and all the imagery with that that we saw on Friday night, we get something a little bit more toned down and we get this picture of Samson and Delilah. Now, also, there was another code 
It was a bunch of zeros and a bunch of ones that apparently people de- decoded and said this leads to the word Gacy. There was a bunch of zeros and ones and decoded. It spells the word Gacy, like Joe Gacy in NXT. So we don't know if we're going to get a code on NXT tomorrow night, being that this is the go-home week for the White Rabbit. We don't know if we're going to get a code on Tuesday, and that's what that means, or if it's just another red herring. I could see this being another red herring, to be quite honest with you. They they, they did this with uh, Malachi. They did this with Corbin, right? A lot of people are like, oh, Baron Corbin's a part of this thing. He very well could be, but I don't think Baron Corbin's going to be involved with Bray Wyatt. So they got Corbin, Kentucky. They had Alistair Black's theme music lyrics hidden in the source code for one of the QR codes on the website. People were thinking, oh, this is for the return of, of uh, Alistair Black to WWE. And here, this, this numeric code that we saw tonight, one of the other numeric codes that we saw tonight, spelled the word Gacy. Now, I don't think Joe Gacy has anything to do with this. One may think so because of of the gimmick that he has in NXT, but I don't think that gimmick fits with what Bray Wyatt's going to do. Basically, Joe Gacy's a bargain basement Bray Wyatt. He's a bargain basement eater of worlds Bray Wyatt with fucking his group Schism, which is the former grizzled young veterans, Zach Gibson and James Drake. Now, I'm not a big fan of what they're doing with those guys down there, but I do think that this is something to kind of throw off the scent. I think it's too late to throw anybody's scent off. I think if it's not Bray Wyatt at this point, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. I really don't. Some people say it could be for John Wayne Gacy. I could see that. I could see that being the case as well. But what does John Wayne Gacy have to do with Bray Wyatt? Nobody really has said anything on social media, and I haven't seen anything in regards to John Wayne Gacy in any capacity with this QR code. But we got the White Rabbit imagery with the milk carton, and we got the the numeric code decoded to be Gacy, We got the picture of Samson and Delilah, which obviously is Alexa Bliss reference and based on an old Bray Wyatt tweet after WrestleMania. So I don't know what's going on here. We will see what's going on with Bray Wyatt. Maybe we get a code on Tuesday. Maybe it's nothing on Tuesday, but WWE seemingly wants to throw you off the scent with what has been done so far going into Extreme Rules. It's still Bray Wyatt. Will he be with people? Will he be with Cross? Will he be with Loomis? Will he be with anybody else? Will we even see Bray on Saturday? I have no idea. But at the end of the day, I think everybody is pretty much confirmed that this is Bray Wyatt. Speaking of Dexter Loomis, Miz was backstage on the phone with his wife expressing that he won't let anything ruin his birthday celebration next week. Dexter Loomis showed up behind Miz but he was just out of reach of The Miz. Dexter peered at The Miz through a door as Miz started walking away. It's basically what it was there. And nothing as of yet with Dexter Loomis and The Miz up until this point. Corey Graves demanded that someone should go do something about Dexter Loomis. How does this guy get in the building? Why is he here? Blah, blah, blah. What does he want? Corey Graves is hilarious when he goes on his yelling rants about why Dexter Loomis and how Dexter Loomis is in the building. Candice LeRae versus Dakota Kai. She's out there with EO and Bailey of Damage Control. This match got no heat. I'm sorry to say, 
I know I'm a big fan of Candice LeRae. I'm a big fan of Dakota. Uh, I, I love EO. I love Bailey. It's just not working out for me. It's not. Now, I said this last week in regards to Candice LeRae. How many people know who Candice LeRae is on the main roster? Nobody. Nobody. There may be uh, a, a small, small portion of people that know who Candice LeRae is. But the majority of the casual audience that have adopted this show coming out of the Vince McMahon era, how many people know who Candice LeRae is? Not many. Not many at all. So you're going to put Candice LeRae on TV with no buildup, no promo package, no vignette, no explanation as to who she is. You're sending her out there ice cold because she's one of yours. She's NXT, right? And you're sending her out there to basically live through these reactions, and you're asking her to get over on her own without any buildup from management. I feel like they've done Candice LeRae dirty, to be quite honest with you. Now, Dakota Kai, Bailey, and EO, they got their own fucking problems. I said this last week, and I've been saying this weekly. It looks like their, their, their entire beings, their... their Attitudes and their personalities don't mix. Damage control, in theory, might sound great. If you fantasy book, yeah, I want to put a stable together of Bailey and EO and Dakota Kai, it sounds great. The thought of it sounds great. But this isn't a fucking video game. We're not doing some fucking E-Fed online, okay? This is the real thing. And they haven't worked out. They don't have any fucking personality whatsoever. They are not over. And they keep forcing this shit down our throats as if it's going to magically just change. They think it's going to change. There's something off with all three of these women. EO doesn't mesh with Bailey. Bailey doesn't mesh with EO. EO doesn't mesh with Dakota. Dakota doesn't mesh with EO. It ain't working. It ain't working. I don't think they're going to drop the shtick. I don't know what it is, but it isn't working. It's boring. It's not coming off as important. WWE wants you to think it's important. Uh, they got the women's tag team titles. Titles mean jack shit. They are not important. On top of that, Dakota, she's lost singles matches as champion. EO has lost singles matches as champion. Nobody takes them to be a serious threat if they are the tag team champions and they are losing singles matches as tag team champions. Bailey's won a couple of matches here and there, but it's Bailey, and we don't expect Bailey to lose going into Extreme Rules in a ladder match for the Raw Women's Championship. What do we do here? I don't know. I don't know what we do. I think the ladder match situation at Extreme Rules was basically WWE's way of saying, Hey, we love Bianca, but we don't want to pin Bianca. So we're going to do a ladder match and have Bianca lose to Bailey, get the title on Bailey, continue pushing damage control. And at that point, when Bailey is the Raw Women's Champion, it's not going to seem like she beat Bianca, pinning Bianca one, two, three, because a ladder match is a lot different than pinning somebody. Pulling the strap down is a lot different than pinning Bianca Belair one, two, three. So I honestly think the ladder match stipulation was made because WWE does have intentions of taking the title off Bianca Belair 
and putting it on damage control and putting it on Bailey. That's just my, my assessment of what I see here. But when Bailey, if Bailey, I should say, wins the women's championship, what's going to happen? Is it going to make you think any differently of damage control? I don't know what it is, and it was more apparent in the contract signing with Bianca Belair and Bailey. It almost seems like Bailey doesn't believe in the role that she's in. She doesn't believe herself enough in the role that she's playing. It reminds me of when Bailey was actually a heel the first time. Everybody was like taken out of a fucking it was like you were thrown into the uh, another dimension. It was like you were thrown into the twilight zone. All of a sudden you see Bailey come out with the pigtails and next thing you know she's stabbing the Bailey buddies. She changes her theme music, she cuts her hair, she goes all emo on everybody. All of a sudden, we're asked to boo Bailey because she turned heel. When she first turned heel, it sucked. Fans were just so thrown out of a fucking loop, they didn't know what to fucking do. And I don't know what's going on now, but it reminds me of when Bailey first turned heel. She eventually settled into the role and she ended up being a great fucking heel. She had Ding Dong Hello and her talk show, and she just. She ju- it feels like she had a better time then than she's having now. And these are the girls that she handpicked that she wanted to work with. So what's the problem? It feels like something is off with her. I don't know if she doesn't feel comfortable. I don't know if she doesn't believe in the group or believe in the fucking direction of where they're going. I don't know, but it reminds me so much of Bailey's first heel run where it didn't get started off on the right foot and it took a little bit of time to get her going. How much time do we need, though? She knows how to play a heel. Maybe people do not believe in her as a heel now. Maybe they don't want to boo Bailey. I don't know. I don't know. But it ain't working. Whatever it is, it ain't working. This match was fine. It went 11 minutes, and the fans didn't really care too much up until the ending. So the two ladies are very familiar with each other in... NXT, so I have no doubt about it that it would have been a good match. But we get Kai landing a running thrust kick to take LeRae down. She goes for a quick cover off of that, gets a two count. So LeRae went for a submission hold. Kai slammed her into the corner. LeRae started to climb the top rope. Dakota Kai landed a running boot right to LeRae's head. She followed up with a superplex attempt off the top. But LeRae blocked the superplex. LeRae counted with a back suplex off the middle rope. Sky, EO, stood up on the ring apron, got the referee's attention. Bailey knocked LeRae's leg off the middle rope as she was attempting some sort of moonsault. And she interjected in this match, leading to Kai getting the roll-up on Candice LeRae. One, two, three. And that was basically it. Nothing memorable. It was just there. They needed to cheat to win. It gets heat on damage control. I seen people, you know, after Candice won her debut match, how are we handing out losses to Candice LeRae already? Candice LeRae just got here, and she interjected herself on the babyface side of things. She's the least important member of the babyface team right now. 
So for her to lose doesn't mean anything. Damage control can easily beat Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae is not going to factor into anything. She's going to be team member number four uh, of whomever else is going to be on that team. She's team member number four on the babyface side going into war games, and that is it. That is it. She's the most expendable of the baby faces so far. Alexa, I mean, she sucks. She doesn't really speak importance to me. Asuka and Bianca, you, you got to handle this with care. Candace LeRae can take some losses. It's fine. She will go into war games, and she will have a star showing in war games. I'm not worried about that. As far as I'm concerned, Dakota Kai already lost a singles match to Raquel Rodriguez a couple weeks on SmackDown. EO has already lost to Bianca not too long ago either. What was it, last week? Come on. We need to start winning matches. You're tag team champions. We need to start winning matches. We can't be losing. So damage control getting a victory, to me, was the right choice. It was the right outcome. Candice LeRae doesn't factor into anything here, and she's not an important piece to the puzzle. She's just going to be babyface number four on War Games. That's it. Johnny Gargano, he was walking backstage when he noticed Miz was lying on his back on top of some production crates. Gargano tapped him. Miz jumped up. He woken from his slumber, and he had a drawing in his hand, drawn by Dexter Loomis, and it was the Miz photographed with Dexter Loomis looking over his shoulder. And I believe a birthday cake was also drawn in there as well. Pretty much giving him an indication about what is to come for The Miz on his birthday. Gargano said, oh, that's not good. And if anybody knows Dexter Loomis, it's Johnny Gargano. Moving on. We got Sarah Schreiber backstage. She approached Bailey, EO, and Dakota and talked about how Bailey wants... Kai and Sky in her corner on Saturday night. Of course she does. There's no rules in a ladder match. So Bailey said tonight it's just her and Belair on the contract signing, but then let out a sinister laugh and said, Remember, you asked for this. I don't know what that means. Maybe they add another member of damage control on, on Saturday night. I have no idea. No idea. Remember, you Axed for this. Otis. He was with Chad Gable. He went one-on-one with Johnny Gargano. This was uh, this was decent. I like this. Anything Johnny's in, I like. This was fun. And Otis. Otis has had more momentum than any time in his WWE run right now. I feel like they're at a good place. They continue to lose, but I feel like Otis and Gable are in a good place. They're getting a lot of TV time. I wish that they would win, but the fact that they're getting TV time and they're factoring into things on TV and they're a regular on the show, I'll take it. I'll take it. So, Austin Theory joined the commentators at ringside. Theory said Gargano is oblivious to his achievements. Gargano came down the aisle. He gets in the ring. He saw Theory at ringside. Theory was making faces at him, making fun of him. Otis is in there. He knocked Gargano down early. He went on to attack Gargano. Gargano avoided a big corner swing splash by Otis. He went in on some offense. He gave Otis a big DDT and then a super kick to the face. He goes for a cover, gets a two count. Gargano dove at Otis and knocked him into the announce table. 
Gargano then said, fuck Otis. He leapt on top of Theory, who was sitting at the announce desk. And Gargano leapt off the ring apron with a tornado DDT onto Otis. Theory then gets out of the chair and hits Gargano with the briefcase in his back from behind. As Gable was distracting the referee, Otis then picks up Gargano and gives him a world's strongest slam. And Johnny Gargano loses. He loses on Monday night to Otis in six minutes due to a little bit of fuckery by Chad Gable and Austin Theory. So we got Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano, the happily married couple, losing back-to-back matches. I'm okay with it. I'm not going to rant, bitch, moan, and complain about Johnny Gargano losing his fucking second match in WWE. Johnny Gargano right now is bulletproof. He's Listen, if this was Vince, I'd be worried. But Triple H loves Johnny Gargano. And Johnny Gargano is a babyface through and through. He's just got that natural, attractive babyface feel. He'll be fine. Nobody's going to think differently of Johnny Gargano because he lost to Otis, which is a believable thing. You know, nobody's going to think any less of Johnny Gargano because he got beaten by Otis. Give me a break. All of a sudden, afterwards, Otis, Gable, and Theory, triple team Gargano, Braun ran out to make the save. We go right to Braun Strowman and Chad Gable right after this Gargano. An Otis match. This was fun. Strowman has been very good as of late. I will give him that. Strowman has been booked very good by Paul Levesque. They've been booking him perfect. So we go right into this match. Gable is in the ring. Strowman runs down the aisle. Otis is there meeting him in the aisle. He ran right over Otis. So... We go to a commercial break after this. Gable knocked Braun into the ring post with a big running knee. They showed Otis interfering during the match, during the break, throwing Braun over the announce desk. This gave Gable an opening to take control of the match. Not for long, though. Gable gave Braun a German bridging suplex. How fucking great is Chad Gable? So... Gable is yelling at Braun. This is my state. This is my state. All of a sudden, and I willed this into existence last week, and I have a problem now, and we have a problem, and I'm sorry to tell you guys that at some point, we're getting Strowman versus Omos, and Omos is going to be on the Survivor Series team alongside Alpha Academy and Austin Theory. I'm sorry to tell you. We're getting... We're getting it. We're getting it. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry I failed you. I failed you. I let you all down. When I say something, all of a sudden, it becomes a reality. We're getting Chad Gable. We're getting Otis, right? We're getting Austin Theory and Omos at the Survivor Series against Johnny Gargano and Braun Strowman 
and whomever else is going to be teaming up on the babyface side of things. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I don't like it. So whether you guys like it or not, we're getting Kevin Owens may be a part of that match as well, right? KO, Johnny Gargano, Braun Strowman. Not good, folks. It's not looking good. We're looking at a possible Braun Strowman versus Omas situation. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, Gable landed a top rope drop kick. He went for a top rope moonsault. Braun moved. Braun kicked Gable in the face. Power bombed him. One, two, three. That's it. That's it. You could see that Triple H. Yes, I could. I could appreciate that Triple H is giving us some traditional Survivor Series feels here. But I mean, fucking Jesus Christ! Do we need to? Do we really need to go to Braun Strowman versus Oh? <laughs> No, I don't want to see that. Who wants to see the mighty Omos? I don't want to. Give me a fucking break. Come on, man. Strowman wins in nine minutes. Bobby Lashley. He's in the back. Trainer's looking at his shoulder. He waved him off and said he was good. Kevin Patrick then came up with a microphone, asked Lashley, how he's doing after that blindsided attack by Seth Rollins. You guys are fucking crazy, man. Uh, Lashley says he's going to crush Seth's throat so he never has to hear that cackle again. He says he's going to finish off Seth next week on Raw two days after his fight pit match and make him pass out in the ring. Great. I got to see first if Rollins loses the fight pit match And then I'll see how this match, or I'll continue to wonder why this match makes sense on Monday. We go into hour three. Bianca Belair and Bailey, contract signing, moderated by Corey Graves. Corey Graves is in the ring. He said this is the first time ever a ladder match will happen for the WWE women's title in WWE history. I didn't know that. I did not know that. But Bailey is already mocking Belair, asking if she feels safe since she came out alone. Bailey went on and on about how the latter is symbolic of how hard she's worked to get to the top in reference to time when fans cheered for her, but they eventually stopped caring and buying her t shirts. I appreciate Bailey trying to give us a reason as to why she picked the ladder match. I appreciate that. Why did Bailey pick a ladder match of all the matches to wrestle Bianca Belair in for the Raw Women's Championship? She could have taken the easy way out. Why want you one-on-one? But Bailey is smart. She realizes that there's a no DQ situation with this, and she will have the advantage or have at least a better chance with a slight advantage with her girls being able legally to get involved. And she did mention that the latter is symbolic of how hard she's worked climbing to the top and referenced the time when fans cheered for her and then they stopped cheering for her when she got to the top. Belair cut off Bailey. By the way, the fans were dead for everything Bailey was saying. I don't know why. Maybe it's just Minneapolis. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it. Maybe it's Bailey. I don't know. But the fans up until this point were dead for Bailey speaking. 
Belair cut off Bailey and explained to her that the reason what she did didn't work for her is was she was pretending to be somebody she's not. Belair said she's authentic, and that's why fans connect with her. I don't know about that either. I see a lot, a lot more people kind of distancing themselves away from the Bianca Belair character, man. I don't know if it's relatable or authentic. To me, it's downright cringe. Honestly, I'm tired of a babyface Bianca Belair. I have no, I have no interest in a, in a babyface Bianca Belair. She doesn't interest me anymore. She's a fantastic pro wrestler, and I enjoy her. But the character that she's playing right now is not hitting it for me. And I know I'm not the only one for that. I'm not the only one who thinks that. Something needs to change. I don't know what it is. That's where a heel turn. Honestly, I feel like the roles should be switched here. I think Bailey needs to be a babyface, and I think Bianca needs to be a fucking heel. That's what I think would generate a little interest and create some freshness here. Bianca is not working out as a babyface, and right now, Bailey. It's not working out as a heel. So she said Bailey didn't evolve. She became the real her. She said now she's showing everyone her real colors. Belair said Bailey might have a plan, but she doesn't need a plan because she's always ready. She said since Bailey loves planning, she can plan on still calling her the women's champion after Extreme Rules. Bailey said her girls will be right by her side on Saturday. Bailey asked what time it was. They cut to Kai backstage with EO attacking Asuka and Alexa Bliss backstage. They cut back to the ring where Bailey yanked a distracted Bel Air from behind over the contract table. She started throwing Bianca on the desk, tossed her around the ring, and this was all a setup plan by Bailey. Belair reversed with Bailey into the side of the ring and then ran to the back to go help Asuka and Alexa Bliss. Bailey sat up and laughed. Belair helped remove a chair from around Asuka's leg when she got backstage. Asuka was crying out in pain because they pilmanized, supposedly uh, did damage control Asuka's leg. Bliss was in the melee. She just stands there in front of the camera looking as unintimidating as possible snarling and trying to be angry was Alexa Bliss and said, this is not over. Asuka is, or Asuka's laying on the ground. She says, EO, you, me, in that ring tonight. You cannot find a less believable baby face than than, uh, Alexa Bliss. She is fucking awful as a baby face. Awful. I don't know where she fits into this. I don't. But they're going to continue chugging along with Alexa Bliss, a part of the babyface team. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing with Alexa. I hope to God Bright takes her out and she's removed from all of this come war games. Seriously. She is not a believable babyface. She's not. I can't cheer for her. I have no interest in seeing her. I I hear her theme music, and it makes me want to take the remote control and mute the fucking channel. That's how bad Alexa Bliss is right now to me as a babyface. I like the segment. I thought the whole segment was fine. The crowd sucked, but I, I enjoyed the setup for Bailey 
kind of luring Bianca out there without damage control, sending damage control to the back to go blindside the rest of Bianca's friends. I like it. It works. It works in the wheelhouse of a sly, weaselly heel. It's great. I just wish the fucking whole dynamic of the group was a lot better and the fans actually legitimately gave them and the segment heat. The execution was great. The fucking fans, they don't seem to care. And it's very difficult to pinpoint an exact reason why. There's a variety of reasons. I don't know what it is exactly. Something seems to be off. Something's not working. Solo Sokoa. He went one-on-one with Angelo Dawkins. This went about 12 minutes. This was fine for what it was. Furthering the Sami Zayn and Bloodline story, which right now is the best thing in all of WWE. So Solo Sokoa had full control of Dawkins, beating him down. Decent little match they had here. Dawkins came back, made a baby fist comeback with Inzuguri's spinning back elbow, hit his signature move, the silencer for two. Jay and Sammy argued on the apron as Sokoa hit a super kick. He seemed to have it won here, did Solo, but the referee was distracted by Jay and Sammy, which allowed Dawkins enough time to kick out. Solo did not seem pleased with what was going on. He stared down Sami Zayn. The Usos and Zayn argued again after Dawkins knocked Sokoa out of the ring. As all three of them argued, Dawkins went over the top rope with a big dive to take them out. Zayn moved at the last second, so only the Usos got knocked down by Dawkins. Sami Zayn was as quick as a cat. Zayn yelled at Dawkins for going after his family, so Dawkins punched him in the face. He ended up getting taken out anyway. So all this extra time was given to Solo. This allowed him to hit Dawkins with a spinning heel kick when he got back in the ring. Sokoa then hit a spinning Solo, which is a rock bottom, spinning rock bottom. One, two, three, and Solo Sokoa gets the victory over Angelo Dawkins. So they played up the fact that Sami Zayn, you know, he's kind of messing up. You know, the Usos were arguing with him. Jay doesn't seem to trust him. Jay doesn't know his true intentions. He's waiting for Sammy to fuck up. They argued on the outside. Almost cost Solo the match. So I don't know if Roman's going to make mention of this next week. I don't know if this is going to be brought up. I don't know what the next stage is, but this is great. The ongoing animosity between Jay and Sammy, while Jimmy has no problem for the most part with Sammy and Solo likes Sammy for the most part, right? Paul Heyman is, you know, He's on the outside looking, and he doesn't give a shit one way or the other. He knows what's coming exactly. But what is Roman going to think with all of this animosity starting to build up with Sami Zayn? What is going to be the one thing that Sami does that gets him basically kicked in the face by Jey Uso and kicked out of the bloodline by Jay and Roman? What is it going to be? Is it going to be something at Crown Jewel? Something with Logan Paul? Is it going to be in war games? Is he going to be put in a situation that the bloodline wants him to do to show his allegiance? Or is it going to be something else? We don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see what that is, what that situation is, and when that day comes. You know what's coming. And it's going to make Sami Zayn into a bigger baby face when it's all said and done. 
Theory. He was backstage. By the way, during this match, there was a huge sign in the crowd that read White Rabbit. They want you to just look for these different clues. During this match, during the Solo and Angelo Dawkins match, there was a sign in the crowd that said White Rabbit, W-Y-Y-T, R-A-B-A-T, White Rabbit. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. Theory told Gable and Otis backstage they did great out there. Theory says they barely got their hands on Gargano this week, but next week he's facing Gargano one-on-one on the season premiere, and he'll put him down. Should be interesting. They're loading that show up. Should be good. Edge, he cut a pre-recorded promo from his private gym. He was there in a ring. He said since he returned, he's been pretty transparent and more or less the veil of character has been dropped. He talked about how he was forced to retire and wasn't given a choice, but he didn't quit. He said he returned at age 46 and it's become more and more difficult since he's returned. He says he loves what he's doing, but it's becoming harder, not just for him, but his entire family. He says it's harder to hide it from his girls and hide the pain that he's in. He says maybe even more difficult is seeing the doubt or fear in his wife's eyes, Beth Phoenix. He said she fears maybe he's insane or too selfish or stubborn. He said those are things you need to succeed at the level he has in the pro wrestling business. He says he can't apologize for that. He says he's got to give Judgment Day credit for making it more difficult because they always come back after he beats them. And it's harder for him to put the pieces back together and come back. He says it's his fault Judgment Day even exists. He says now he has to be a one-man gang. He said Balor will face someone and something he's never faced before. He says they cannot physically hurt him enough to make him say, I quit. He says they better be ready for a war because he damn sure is. Keep in mind, I want you guys to take this with you going into Saturday. This is the one part I picked out about this. He said, they cannot physically hurt him enough to make him say, I quit. That doesn't mean they can't go and hurt his, his wife or do something to one of his family members to make him say, I quit. That's all they need. They need those words to come out of his mouth. I quit. It doesn't have to be that he's stuck in his submission or they beat him to a bloody pulp. They cannot physically hurt him enough to make him say, I quit. Sounds like to me they may be targeting some other member of his family. Maybe Beth Phoenix. Maybe Beth Phoenix is targeted and they do something to Beth who's sitting coincidentally at ringside and Rhea Ripley gets her in a fucking chokehold and chokes the life out of her and Adam Copeland says, you know what? I quit. This is not worth my, my, my wife's health and safety. I quit. We'll see. I see Finn Balor winning that match. I don't know why Edge would come back and beat Balor when we know this thing is not over and probably will go into Survivor Series. That's where the baby faces will get their win, at Survivor Series. Alexa Bliss. I don't know why this was the main event. This show was all over the place. I don't know why this was the main event. Alexa Bliss 
in the main event with EO Sky. Why? Of all the things on this show, this was the main event. Not really main event worthy at all. Sky hit double knees in the corner. She missed the moonsault. Bliss followed up with a DDT. Bliss hit twisted Bliss, but Bailey distracted the referee. Belair went after her, but Bailey and Kai pushed her into the steel steps. Bliss wiped out all the heels with a dive, went to the top rope, but Sky grabbed her and hit an air raid crash, followed by the moonsault, and Alexa Bliss was pinned. One, two, three in the main event of Monday Night Raw. Damage control, attack Bliss after the match. We had about a good six minutes before the, mat, the, the show was uh, about to hit the top of the hour. I thought something was going to happen or we were going to get a return, right? Damage control attack Bliss after the match, and they start beating down, uh, you know, the baby faces here. Belair charged into the ring, went for the save. Sky and Dakota hit her with a ladder that they pulled out from underneath the ring to sell the ladder match on Saturday night. Asuka all of a sudden limped to the ring like she was one of the walking dead with a kendo stick and bashed Kai in the shoulder with the kendo stick. Sky sidekicked the ladder out of the ring into Asuka. All three heels dropped the ladder over Asuka's back, took her out. Then they set the ladder up and started gloating over all of the down baby faces in the ring. So things just kind of came to a stop. They were in complete control here, right? And they had more time to fill it look like. And then the heels went back to beating up Belair. And Bailey gave Belair the rose plant. Bailey then climbed the ladder in the middle of the ring and posed with the Raw Women's Championship. Now, if wrestling one-on-one uh, goes to tell anybody that, you know, what happens on Sat- what happened on the Golem show doesn't necessarily happen on the pay-per-view following. Doesn't look like Bailey's going to win the Raw Women's Championship because we need, we need the damage control girls to get back on track. I don't know if Bailey winning the championship is going to be that. I don't. I don't even know if Bianca is losing the title after they got beat up tonight and then they got embarrassed with the ladders and Bailey held the title on top of the ladder. I don't know. I don't know. The match should be fun. I hope they kill it. They need something to really kind of aid in the indifference the fans are feeling towards damage control. But we'll see what happens on Saturday. I don't know how many times Triple H can continue to put these women in the main event when it really doesn't do anything. This is not a main event. How many times do we see the women in a main event and it means absolutely nothing? Asuka in a main event means nothing. There's no championship on the line. Alexa Bliss and Io. What type of main event is that? Bailey and Alexa Bliss in the main event two, a couple of weeks ago. That's not a main event. Very weird. Very weird with their, their, and their infatuation with getting the women in the main event just to get the women in the main event. It's not a main event match. It's not a good look. Anyway, we'll see what happens on Saturday. I'm still excited for Extreme Rules. We got this whole Bray Wyatt, White Rabbit thing. We don't know. We don't know. It should be a great show. And I'm very excited to see what happens on Saturday night. And we will be live right after the show is over right here on OTS. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me tonight, man. We broke this thing down. 
like only we can. We got 2,400 people in the OTS venue, man. I don't understand why we don't have a thousand likes. Why don't we have a thousand likes on the live stream? I don't get it. Hit that thumbs up. That's all I'm asking. Hit that thumbs up. A thousand likes is the minimum. Tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. You guys know Blue Chew, right? BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Guys, it's uh, it's getting cold out there. The summer is over. But that doesn't mean you can't bring the heat into the bedroom. Because the summer's over. The temperatures may be dropping. But the temperature of the bedroom does not. Confidence can take you guys far in life, man. It could also help in the bedroom. Especially when it comes to time. That time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. But this comes in chewable form and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night. Be ready whenever that opportunity actually arises. And the process is very simple, man. You're going to sign up at BlueChew.com. You're going to Consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you're approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. So that means no visits to the doctor's office, no waiting in line, no awkward conversations face-to-face. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they're shipped direct with nobody knowing right to your front door. I always say first impressions are key, guys. First impressions are key. You only get one. You only get one. So knowing you, I know you kill the first impression, but what about the lasting impression? That lasting impression gives you that first impression every single time out, right? So that's what's important to me. So if you guys can benefit from the extra confidence, why not give Blue Chew a try? Special deal, as always, from our fine friends over at Blue Chew. You guys are going to try it for free. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. All you guys have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. That is BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. And I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the podcast right here on OTS. I want to shout out Fernando Gomez. I want to shout out Ricardo, TMAC, 034, Common, Pearson, Sham World, Robert Hurt, and NBK Ghost Reborn. Thank you for either the new memberships or the recommitments, gentlemen. Thank you very, very much. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. I want to start at the top. As always, we are going to start with Joseph Taylor with an $8 Super Chat. I feel like Finn needs to win this Saturday. If he does not win, I feel like he would be buried. Thoughts? I wouldn't say he would be buried, but... Judgment Day is on a string of momentum, man. You need to keep it going. Edge doesn't need the victory. Edge is basically bulletproof. 
Finn Balor needs to needs to to win. He will get the victory, in my opinion. And I do think that Edge says I quit, but he won't be in a submission hold, or he won't be beat up to a point where he gives up. I think something is going to happen to force him to say I quit. Not necessarily to him, but I think something will happen to somebody else. Gary Gordon. Oh my goodness, Gary with five dollar super chats all over the place. He says, I think Seth Rollins is selling himself short. He has carved out his own legacy. I'm sure several talents would love to have his spot. You are correct. I think Seth Rollins is really being incredibly harsh on himself. I don't know why. If you're Bray Wyatt negotiating with WWE, isn't the Universal Championship on your demand list? No. Now, we don't even know. We don't even know what type of character he's coming back as. And if he's coming back as something supernatural, I, I, I don't think giving him the Universal Championship is such a good idea. We already did that. We've been there, done that, and it got fucked up. Can't do that anymore. I hope MMM is done. The maximum male models need to fix Mansoor for Crown Jewel. Now, I don't think Triple H gives a shit about putting Mansoor on Crown Jewel. White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane would sound great in your intro just once. That would be tremendous. I'm not a fan of the song. I think the song sucks. And Gary Gordon says, do you think WWE, the WWE title has been devalued and not on the same level as the Universal title? And if so, can we fix it? Yes, we can fix it. Get it off Roman and we'll fix it. And I do think that the WWE title has taken a hit. Yes. Roman Reigns is looked at as the universal champion pri predominantly, primarily. It may come off as two championships, but there's no way that both of those titles can stand on its own as important by being fused together. The title needs to be back on Monday Night Raw. I honestly think Monday Night Raw needs a world championship in the most desperate ways. It does. It would make TV a lot better. Tony Brown with a 499 Super Chat. I had my fill of meat, JD. Absolutely you did, bro. Absolutely you did. MGM Ballin with a 499 Super Chat. Hate to say it, but I didn't enjoy Raw tonight. Only good parts for me were Seth and Riddle segment and Bianca's shorts. I'm sure Tony Brown agrees. Yes. Yes, Bianca's shorts were... Uh, they were up there. Not today, Jay with a 499 Super Chat. JD, what's up? Sorry, I haven't been up to date on your shows. I've been on vacation for the past two weeks. Don't worry about it, bro. When I go on vacation in about a week and a half, I want to see everybody ask me, well, where, where are you, man? Where'd you go, man? <laughs> I will be missing a Monday Night Raw review and the AEW Dynamite show from Cincinnati. Just letting you guys know right now. I will be out of the country. I will be in Dublin. 
I will be drinking a Guinness at the oldest bar in the world. Sean's Bar. You will get pictures online. I will be missing a couple of shows, and I will not be on YouTube. Get ready for it. Week and a half. Two weeks. Robert Hurt with new membership. Thank you so much, brother. Cam World, thank you so much for the new membership. Tyler Peterson with a new membership. Thank you, brother. What do you guys drink? Broken Saw, Pepsi Man. Thank you so much, brother. Eric, thank you so much, man, for the 500 Dollar Super Chat. Ricardo Linnell with a 27-month membership. I've been out of the loop for a bit, but it's great to be back in the OTS venue. Thank you, JD, for creating a community that feels like family. OTS for life. Ricardo, thank you so much, brother. Jesse will not be getting the keys that week. The venue will be uh, closed for uh, a deep cleaning. Tony Brown with a 199 Super Chat. He says, release Omas. I could not agree more. I could not agree more, bro. Scorpion. I hope Scorpion is not too pissed off, man. Hulgrim deleted his uh, message about the St. Louis Cardinals. Bro, we're going to have to ask you to calm that shit down, okay? No. Noah Driscoll with a new membership. Noah, what are you drinking, brother? Thank you so much, man. Thank you for becoming a VIP. Joseph Taylor with a $3 super chat. I hate the Cardinals and the Mets. Let's go Braves. Joseph Taylor, stop sucking up, bro. Stop sucking up, man. You're not a Braves fan. Or maybe you are. I don't know. But stop sucking up, bro. I love you, but... Bullagrim with a $10 super chat. Blasphemous super chats will not be tolerated here. Always OTS. We the ones and they the twos, Hulagrim. Uh, Poppy, Pablo, I'm going to have to ask you to get the fuck out of here, bro. Seriously, man. I don't know if you're trolling or, or, or what. You're going to you're gonna have to exit, bro. Otis, get him out of here. Time him out. Don't bench him. Time him out. I gave you guys a warning. Now we're going to have to ask you to get the fuck out for at least 300 seconds. Okay? Exclusive Vigilante. With a $4.99 super chat. Seth Rollins looked like a zesty Daphne from Mystery Gang. Just nasty. Ready? Jaxo23 with a $50 super chat. Jaxo, thank you so much, brother. I can't wait for next week's Raw since the Bloodline will be on Raw. And I think they will be on Raw all year for the KO Sami Zayn storyline. Also, Riddle and Rollins and Fight Pit will be awesome. Also, the promos by Riddle and Rollins were great. Jaxo, I'm excited for the Bloodline on Raw too, bro. Finally, finally they show up to work with Roman. On Monday, it seems like they were allergic to Monday Night Raw. Captain Solo 
with a 16-month recommitment to the VIP club. Thank you, brother. AJ Styles could join Judgment Day for the sole purpose of destroying it from within, and it gives him a significant storyline. No. No, I can't see AJ. Uh, I can't see AJ doing that. AJ should just stick by Rey Mysterio's side, and we should uh, really just get that Survivor Series team flowing, bro. That's what really needs to be done. Captain Solo with a $5 Super Chat. Do you think Drew McIntyre will ever be WWE Champion again, or has that ship sailed? I think that ship is fucking sailed for now, bro. Maybe we start to see it sail back into the port at some point, but for now it's gone, bro. Not today, Jay, with a $4.99 Super Chat. Uh, JD, are you going to Raw in Brooklyn next week? No, I am not. I will be at the New York City Comic Con on Thursday, so if I see you guys there, if anybody's going, hopefully you come up and say what's up. Sick 1P1 with a $5 Super Chat. Hey, JD, appreciate everything you do. I often work nights and miss the shows live, so... You're my go-to for keeping up with the wrestling world. Respect. Yo, sick. I appreciate that, bro. Thank you so much, man. Pizza Turd with a four-month membership. Thank you, man. Uh, Yo, JD, have you ever thought about doing a live reaction stream for a pay-per-view or Raw or SmackDown episodes? No, I'll save that uh, for Issa. That's Issa's wheelhouse and uh, the Wrestle Geeks out there. You know, I don't mind if fans want to watch Issa because she's a very attractive woman. But if you're going to sit there and watch geeks watch wrestling, I mean, I don't want to be a part of that, bro. I really don't want to be a part of that. Just being honest with you. Joseph Taylor with the $2 Super Chat. Edge versus Finn will steal the show. That's a bold prediction, man. There's a lot of stuff that can steal the show. Richard with a $2 Super Chat. How do you want to see Bailey repackaged? I don't know. I don't want to see Bailey repackaged. I just want to see her turn back into a baby face. Maybe that's all she needs. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. I like the Braves. That's my second favorite team. Again, Joseph, I'm going to have to ask you to stop sucking up, bro, Okay. Every single year I've done this show, man, from the the baby steps to where we are now, I've had a Braves hat on, bro. Everybody knows I'm a Braves fan. I don't wear this hat because it looks good, okay? This is my streaming hat. I got got fucking 10 or 11 different Braves hats on my wall. I wear this one because it's my streaming hat. The Visionary with a $2 Super Chat. <laughs> my is my, my <laughs> Noah with a $10 Super Chat. Been a fan of yours since about 2017. I've kept a close eye on everything you've done. And you've been consistent in being the absolute best of what you do. Keep up the good work, JD. You know, Noah, I'm, I, that, that's the best comment of the night, bro. Right there. Comment of the evening by Noah Driscoll. Thank you, brother. Chris Elliott, 1989. 
199 Super Chat. Cheers to you, JD. You are the ace of the IWC. You better fucking believe it, Chris. There's nobody here that is on my level. Nobody. And Nathaniel McCaster with a new membership. Thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you for becoming a VIP. Now your journey to that glorious Mustang 48-month badge has begun. What can I get you to drink, brother? What do you want to drink? Seriously, what do you want to drink, brother? What do you drink? Uh, Alfredo Flores, I'm going to have to ask you to stop with the ridiculous fucking questions, bro. No, I'm not watching Lucha, and no, I'm not answering that question. It's the second stream in a row that you ask me ridiculous fucking questions, bro. Cut the shit. I'm going to have to dump you. Thank you guys very much for all your support, man. We're about to get out of here. I appreciate you. Man, does the OTS venue look good, man. I love the venue. I love the OTS venue, man. That car is fucking sexy, bro. Yeah, funny thing is, that's the actual car I drive, man. I've actually contemplated trading it in for a 2024 version. Maybe we'll go with the GT, right? I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. I'm gonna need to see some support, man. If I gotta, if I gotta, you know, trade it in and, uh, and upgrade like that, we'll, we'll see, man. We'll see what we do. Kelly with a 4.99 super chat. Can I get a Charlotte? Boy, Kelly, you're really cutting it close here. Kevin Dunn, why am I not on TV? Please, malfunction, malfunction, malware. Thank you, Kelly. Before 99 Super Chat. Cheers, Jay, the OTS family, and back to styling hair. Anyway, guys, uh, I'm about to get out of here. Hit that thumbs up. We hit a thousand likes. Thank you guys very much. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for the new memberships, man. Keep them coming in. Look at these beautiful emotes, man. All over the place. And go check out the podcast from last night. Really good stuff there. And I will see you guys back tomorrow night for NXT. NXT is live. Supposedly this changes. We're going to cover it. And we'll see what happens, man. I need those guitar emojis in the chat. I need those Mustang emojis in the chat for my VIPs. And I need that music on max. I will see you guys tomorrow night live from the OTS venue for the NXT post right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.